Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone. It is Pierce, host of the PJ's Cast. And if you enjoy listening to the PJ's Cast as much as we do recording it, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends no matter what platform you may be on. We love discussing the Chicago Blackhawks and, of course, the game of hockey. But we want to reach this out to a wider audience. And doing all those things really help us out. So once again, if you enjoy the PJ's Cast, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends. And I hope you guys enjoyed the upcoming podcast episode. the PJ's cast. My host Pierce, alongside of my usual co-host Dylan, and we have a very special guest today, uh, Will Scouch of Scouching. What's going on, Will? Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Uh, pretty good. Um, I worked four days in a row, and I was like looking so I was looking to forward to this so much, and we're glad to have you on. And uh, before we ask you any questions, my first question to ask you is, how much sleep have you gotten over these past few days? <laughs> uh, honestly, it's funny you ask that question because I feel like I'm not quite like most people. I feel like most of my work is done. Uh, yeah. I I actually have had a relatively okay like. The big thing right now is just video work, just putting yeah. together all the last videos because like uh, I've been working through my vaccination timeline. So I was sick mm-hmm. for a while and like wasn't feeling great and definitely didn't want to put myself on camera in that condition. So that kind of pushed <laughs> things along a little bit. But uh, yeah, like today, the last video is finished, uh, at least the last like report. Yeah. And uh, so I have a bit of time now to sort of take a step back a little, catch up on some other stuff, but and come on our show. Yeah. Our come on your show. show. <laughs> I got, yeah. Like it's, it's busy for podcasts and stuff, you know? So that's another thing, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm sleeping. Okay. I would say usually well, that's not, good not to too hear. much worse, not too much worse than usual. Well, that's good to hear. Cause like, it just seems like at this time of year, right before the draft, all these like publications are releasing their, uh, their scouting rankings and like just all the work that goes into it is crazy. And uh, yeah. I just want to, like say like I I remember like discovering your videos during uh, last year's COVID like during quarantine I was just so bored <laughs> and I was like <laughs> wanted to read more into the 2020 draft and I like binge watch all of your videos and I just want to say you do such an amazing job with how you combine video and analytics and 
you're you're Thank definitely you. one of my favorite prospect evaluators. So yeah, it's it's again, it's a it's an honor to have you on. <laughs> oh, you're more than what you're, I'm happy to be here. It's funny how many people have said like I was good pandemic watch like stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know, especially because last year during the mm-hmm. pandemic, you know, the, the the 2020 draft, the last like six months were all during the pandemic. So. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of time to, to do that. And it's funny how that kind of happened, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Everyone was watching Tiger King. I was watching Will Scout. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Uh, yeah, it just seems like you're the kind of person that's always like working on scouting no matter what. And I just want to ask you besides scouting, have you picked up on any new activities during like kind of the COVID era, uh, era? Um, I mean, it's a little bit tough. I have a I have a full time job too, so I yeah. I do this kind of on the side, and uh, mm-hmm. I have been trying to to work up my my coding skills and my data analysis skills there. Yeah. So just kind of building out skills on top. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I I'm I, I'm a musician as well. Like I've been trying oh, to yeah. play a little bit more on my own now that I'm home a lot more. Um, but other than that, it's just. Uh, when there's when there's hundreds of players to watch and mm-hmm. lots and lots of data to add, it's a good way to fill your spare time. And uh, this <laughs> year, there's definitely more than there was last year, and there's much more than there was two years ago. So it keeps building, um, and that's mostly what I've been filling my time with, is just trying to get more and more data every day. Yeah, I heard you're a musician. It's like the Spider-Man, and it's like, uh, you know, I'm something of a musician myself. Uh, yeah. I've been playing acoustic guitar. <laughs> you know, I can play uh, Wonderwall. You know, I can right, do that on guitar. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's that's good to hear. So uh, um, I also want to ask you how you got into scouting. Um, like, I know you've been doing uh, this for the past couple of years on your YouTube channel. You've done scouting reports for the 2019 draft, obviously last year's draft, and now this draft. And it seems like the, the NHL draft has become so huge. Like it's almost kind of like that last day of school for the NHL. You got the cup final and then mm-hmm. like right before free agency. And it seems like we're getting more and more people that are getting into the scout, like into scouting. Like obviously we, there's guys out there like Chris Peters and Corey Promen have been doing it for a while, but then now we see like uh, other places like Dauber prospects and McKean's, which I believe you're part of as well, be a part of it. It's, it's a lot of uh, fun to see. And um, I'm, again, I'm just wondering how you kind of got into that. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, I've always been kind of the guy, like I was the kid who, you know, I was, ter- I was never good at hockey, like actually playing. I played until I was about 16 and I didn't, that, I, wasn't, me too. I was, me yeah, too. I was, I was just bad. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I like to make the joke that I, I was often coached by a, a friend of mine's dad and he, uh, he put me on defense and this is no fault of his own, but he put me on defense. Cause I was about six feet tall when I was like yeah. 13. Like I was, I was the, I was the string bean kid. That's right. Same with me, same with me yeah. Too. So yeah. they put me on defense and there was one game, I think where a bunch of kids who played forward didn't show up. So they put my coach, put me at forward. I played right wing for two periods and, uh, I scored two goals in that game wow. and, uh, <laughs> and then immediately, and then a bunch of the kids showed up. They were just late. They showed up like halfway through the game. And then he put me back on defense in the third period. And I was like, dude, you wouldn't even let me out there to like get to like just load this goalie up and just light him up all night. But I guess not. Uh, but so so that was about the, the peak of my NHL career, of my of my hockey career. Uh, but after that, I mean, I was always the kid who had all the yearbooks and like memorizing all the, the statistics and, you know, even things like jersey numbers and like all these little minute details. I was definitely always really, really interested in that and the trades and sort of the, the management side of the game. And uh, no one else really that at that age is kind of super interested in that. And it kind of went away over as I got older. But then 
um, you know, now as an adult, I mean, I'm 30 now, but when I was in my mid twenties, I kind of started to get more into it. And, and once the hockey analytics, I think it was the hockey analytics sort of wave in the early 2010s kind of yeah. started to catch on. I started thinking, well, okay, it's great that there's all this analysis for the NHL and all that stuff, but I'm not seeing a whole lot done for the draft. I mean, there were some, yeah. some people kind of digging into it a little bit, but I thought that there was a lot of room for, for, for extra work there or something new, um, especially when you look back at the drafts before the 2010s and before the world of analytics came along and how noisy and weird and how inefficient that process was. You know, you look at the drafts from before the... Erica Branson. Yeah, like, <laughs> you, it's just, it was just very, you, you could tell very clearly that there was some archaic thinking going on. And finding a way to modernize that was kind of what interested me. Um, and it was just really casual for me for a while, like a couple of years. I just kind of was, you know, you know, posting crap on Twitter that wasn't super valuable, but like some people liked it and I did take it seriously. Um, but then I started sort of taking myself more seriously. I kind of, you know, you get older and, and you know, there, there were some people in my life that that, you know, like some some things changed in my life where I kind of went, you know what, like I, I'm just going to I like doing this for work you know, there are people who do this for a living and are successful at it. I want to figure out how to do that myself and do it my own way. And so, you know, it became kind of like a, you know, like, I don't really care what people think kind of situation. Like, I'm just going to dive in. And as long as I do it the right way and sort of analyze things the right way and learn from my mistakes, which is the biggest thing I tell people who want to get into it is, is be willing to stick your neck out and make mistakes, but then learn from them and listen to people when they, when they, question you on things or push you on things or different concepts. And it's just sort of been like basically that for the last, I'd say three drafts, 2019, 20 and 21 now, where it's been really seriously looking at this and trying to figure out a way to sort of put myself out there. And, you know, I felt the best way to do that was on YouTube. So no one was making YouTube videos on this kind of thing really. And nobody was doing it the way that I was thinking of doing it. And, I knew that it was going to be a niche thing. Like my thing is never YouTube subscribers. It's never mm. been that way. It's never like I want to get a hundred thousand subscribers. I don't want to, I don't want to be on YouTube forever. Um, my, my goal is to win a Stanley cup. That's the thing, right? Like help a team win one. And, you know, so I kind of just use YouTube as a resume, basically like, here's all the work that I've been doing. And my live streams are a good way to do that because I interact with people and, and all that stuff. So it's been an interesting experience for sure. Um, and it was definitely born out of just a fascination with both the draft and the business side of the game and, and how thinking about the game goes. And it's really turned into an interesting, like I've talked to coaches and, and other scouts and people who work in the NHL and, and just being able to pick their brains and like teach myself things about the game that I might have missed. Like I look back on my on my stuff from 2019 and go, I was kind of on the right track, but like not there, there's still things I wasn't really paying that much attention to that I probably should have. And, you know, now that my focus is a lot more on the data and not so much making YouTube content, um, it definitely helps strengthen what I do, I think, especially from like a hockey perspective. So a lot of those things combined into basically what it is now. Um, and yeah, it's just been a long sort of steady build of basically doing what I love to do. Yeah, you brought up the fact that how your list, uh, like how a lot has changed since like 2019 and 2020. I just have to ask you um, one the first part is like, what's one prospect that you were dead wrong about? You're like, um, oh, I don't think he's going to be anything special. And he's kind of turned out into something special. Maybe he's played the NHL or really succeeded in his junior league. And also the second part, which prospect were you like, like spawn on about where it's like, 
maybe scouts weren't looking into this guy and they're like and you're like oh yeah this guy is going to be super good and he's like again excelling in a junior it, league and could be yeah. a good NHL player it's really hard to say I think at this point I'm yeah. just looking at my 2019 list but I mean I think that in general my gut seems to lead me at least in the right direction um in my view at least I I, I look at my list and I mean some of it I think was the limitations of how much video I could watch, especially in 2019. Um, you know, I was pretty strictly limited to certain things. Um, but over the last two years, I've had, you know, through McKean's uh, especially, they've been able to give me access to a whole bunch of basically whatever hockey I want to watch. So now I can watch anyone as much as I want all the time. And that's been a blessing. I don't think I'd be able to do it as much as I, as I have. Um, in terms of like specific guys, I mean, the way I would think about it is there's definitely players that I overvalued because I don't, I didn't think about, I, I think it took a long time for me to realize just how goddamn difficult the NHL is and, <laughs> and just how high you have to set your bar for really pushing for a guy. Like I was really high on Arthur Kaliev. Yeah. And yeah. I do think, and I do think there's an NHL player there, but you know, and my argument for him at the time, I think is reasonable where I was sort of thinking like, you know, you're going to get a guy who can score points. Maybe he's like a Thomas Vanek where he bounces around teams, but at the end of the year, he always has 60 or 70 points. Most of it is on the power play, but he still scores 60 or 70 points. And he's not a, he's not a guy you want to throw over the boards and, and hope he can score with a minute left in a Stanley cup game seven, but he's a good scoring option. But the, you know, when you pay attention to how that guy specifically plays on the ice, it's sort of like, okay, I can see why some people would really, really not like this player and, and not think there's an NHL player at all. I mean, I think that what I would say to that is just you draft the talent and then you try to malleate it and mold it into an NHL player. But again, it doesn't it doesn't make it false that I'm looking at him on my list and seeing him in the same tier as guys like Bowen Byram and Kirby Doc and Cole Caulfield. And I'm thinking looking back on that, it's like, I see where I'm going, but it, there's, there's that extra little sort of context to it that, that might be pointing me in a different direction at the time where I'm sitting there at my, my live stream in 2019 going, how the hell is Arthur Kelly of not a first round pick? And in retrospect, I think he still should have been, but I can see in retrospect, why teams would say, I, I, I don't think we can make this guy the first name that we take off the board. And, and I, 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 I see things that way now a lot. And I look at it as like, would you, you know, if there was a gun to your head and you had to pick a name, are you going to take Arthur Kaliev or Alex Newhook? And I look back <laughs> on that and I'm going like pretty much clearly to me, it's going to be Alex Newhook when I look back on that. But Arthur Kaliev, I think, is going to be a fine NHL player. It's just that little tweak of thinking. And the other way around, I mean, I was a huge fan of those Hoaglander that year. I mean, I, he was 19 <laughs> on my list. I had Nick Robertson, 23. And those two guys have already developed along extremely well. Um, and, and I mean, I've really liked watching Nils Hoaglander this year, um, with the Vancouver Canucks and with him, he was a really interesting case study for me to look back on because I could go at the time, his big thing was that he only seemed to really care about playing offensively. He had tons of skill and tons of flair and tons of really, really interesting traits that were a ton of fun to watch, but that really only sort of came out when he had the puck or had a chance to score. But I sat there going like, well, I've seen him. You know, I see how he skates. I see how he plays with the puck on his stick. I see how he plays with pace with the puck on his stick. And I see how it is. But if the if the if the pathway forward is okay, like just do that. But also, when you don't have the puck, then you're gonna have a really interesting player. 
with offensive potential. And over time, his defensive game has kind of shored up. Like, he's at least more involved. And that's a lot for wingers especially. Like, I'm just looking for involvement. Just don't take your foot off the gas if you don't have the puck. We're seeing in the NHL playoffs how important it is to to pressure your opponent if you don't have the puck. So, you know, and you need that from everyone on the ice. And so with Hoglander, I saw a lot of that this year with Vancouver. And that's definitely been a big change in his game. So that, to me, I look back on and go, okay, that that I can carry forward is saying, okay, how does the player play with and without the puck? And I don't write a player off if there's a big different difference there. It's more, okay, so you can do it in these situations, so how can we get you doing it more often? And I think that's also something that in terms of post-draft development is also very important to think of. Because I think some people will write players off, and I think that might have been a reason why Hoglander fell out of the first round, where people write them off because they're too flashy and too offensive and they don't care about defense. And it's like, I see what you mean, but if you take time and work them through this and like they'll get tested at some point, it's like at least they have the talent to hopefully figure it out and, and realize that that work needs to be done. So it's more about sort of checking my own work rather than saying like, Oh, I was wrong on this guy or I was right on this guy. Um, But yeah, I mean, those, those guys are definitely from the, from the years I've been seriously, seriously doing this. Those are the guys that I think have stuck out a lot to me. Oh, that's yeah, interesting yeah. to hear. So, um, yeah, we're going to get on to the 2021 draft now. And uh, obviously this year there's not there's there's not a Connor McDavid. There's not an Austin Matthews. <laughs> there's not even really a Jack Hughes or Rasmus Stalin or Alexi Lafreniere type of player. But that doesn't mean that there's still players that could be um, top of the line contributors. And, uh, yeah, Schmidt, you got some questions to ask, and I'll let you uh, take the floor here. Yeah, so um... – We've been kind of looking around at a couple of prospects for the last couple of months, just because, um, I mean, you've seen how some of the mock drafts have gone. There's been players all over the place. I mean, every scouting department has their different opinion. Um, but one name I've seen fluctuate more than any is Simone Edmondson. And um, <clears throat> there's definitely a lot of raw talent there. And like uh, I think Pierce was mentioning before we started the podcast, it's a, it's kind of like a, like a high ceiling, low floor type thing if you can hit those uh strengths he has in his game you could probably have a great defenseman there but um i've seen him be as low as like middle of the first round in some mock drafts because people just see some glaring weaknesses in his game so um i just wanted to know what your thoughts on him is as or him is as a prospect uh coming into this upcoming draft yeah i mean i i i'm 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 really interested in simon edmondson mostly because like you said he might have a really low floor i i i would disagree i think that the thing that he does I think that that Simon Edmondson is going I think he's going to be an NHL player. I just don't know how much of an impact NHL defenseman he's going to be. His defensive game of all of the of all of the highly ranked defensemen in this year's draft, I think that he's the most well-refined defenseman that there is with how he sort of covers defensive breakouts, how he shuts them down, gets himself physically involved without putting himself out of position. He just has a very sort of calm and an effective demeanor about his defensive game that I was really surprised about. I thought he was going to be a six foot five offensive guy with skill and going to be a defensive tire fire. But at the end of the day, it pretty much is the opposite. Um, In terms of his offensive game, I I think there's room to grow there. Um, The biggest issue with him is that with the puck on his stick, he's just, sometimes he's just a miserable nightmare where he'll turn the puck over He'll send passes to nobody. He won't scan the ice like looking for options. His, you know, he'll he'll try to carry pucks through the neutral zone, but not really have a ton of pace doing so. 
and that results in I would say underwhelming offensive transition results for me but the defensive side of the game he's extremely involved defensively he's top 15 in terms of involvement in defensive transitions and it shuts them down 70% of the time which and for a guy playing against men in most of the games I tracked is really impressive and and a good thing to work with um I think there's a lot of room to grow with him, both like literally and mentally. Uh, I, I don't know how much of his offense will translate, but his ability, he can step up from the blue line and, and take chances himself or, or set up plays. But I definitely felt that he was, he had an interesting year, right? Like his junior year was his junior time was frustrating, but I think it was frustrating because I think he's just kind of outgrown that level and he just wasn't quite thinking straight. Then he went to the men's league and in for with Forlunda didn't quite look right there. There were he was up and down, but you could see kind of flashes of what he was capable of. But once he went to the second division, I felt he was much more confident and composed and calm uh, and effective. And I think that that was a nice sweet spot for him. But again, like we'll see where he goes from here. Right now, I see him as like a comfortable player at that level. If he can be a comfortable player in, in the SHL next year with Forlunda and maybe not score a ton of points, but look comfortable. And then next year you kind of push him to be a bit more offensive. Then I could see that being the developmental pathway. But at the very least, I mean, I, I see him being a, a good defense first guy. And if you pair him with a more mobile defender, um, then I think that there could be something interesting there, but he's a weird blank slate to work with, but I think he's one of the higher floors, at least in terms of defensive play for defensemen this year. Gotcha. So, um, in your opinion, do you see a team that could, uh, maybe stick out as a, a perfect fit for him in your mind, or is he a uh, kind of guy who maybe any team could really take a chance on if they have the right development for him? It, de- it depends on the team. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think a team like Columbus could do an interesting job with him, um, by playing him as more of that sort of two way, but leaning defensively kind of guy. Um, especially if they're looking at maybe trading a guy like Seth Jones, for example, uh, over the next couple of years, there might be a role for Edvinson where he's a bit of a different flavor of high impact defenseman there that might give them a bit of stability. Um, but I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, I don't think there's a team where a lot of these guys would be necessarily bad fits. I'd be very surprised if someone like Simon Edvinson was available in the latter half of the top 10. I, I have him ranked at eight, but I get the feeling that teams see his defensive abilities and the size that he's got and the potential of his game and the skill. Cause there are some moments where you go like no other defenseman can do what he can, what he can do in isolation. So there might be a team that sees that and goes, you know what? Third, fourth, fifth overall, let's just do it and see what happens. Um, and I don't remember who the teams are there. Anaheim, New Jersey, Columbus. I mean, mm-hmm. like New Jersey could be an interesting fit for him. He's got the size that they've been drafting recently. When they look at defensemen, he's physical, like they've been drafting with a lot of their defensemen. But he has some of that that offense that could come with time. Um, so I could see him going there as well. But I mean, any team here, I think, would benefit from just adding a guy like Edvinson. It's hard to say though, as well, because I don't really know what these teams plans are for developmental pathways with him. If there's a team that drafts him that says you're terrible defensively, and we're going to try to make you better defensively. I don't think they're getting the right player that they're looking for, because I think that, you know, whenever there's a mismatch between what a team thinks the player can do and what they actually can do, that's where I think you can get into trouble. Um, But I, I get the feeling that Simon Edvinson, I mean, if he goes to a place like maybe San Jose maybe they'll try to push him to be more of that offensive sort of skilled guy because, you know, they don't mind that out of their defensemen. 
and they've drafted a few guys like that in the past. Uh, and I think that could be a nice little balance there, but it, it, it's going to depend so much on, on the team that picks him and what they think he can be. Cause there could be a very wide range of possibilities for him. Oh yeah, definitely. And, uh, I, I actually like the idea of San Jose cause you were saying kind of, um, he needs he might need to be with a more of like a puck moving defenseman and if you kind of, and if he's younger and you put him with a guy like a Burns or a Carlson on their back end that's a that's a good piece to learn from when mm. you're trying to especially uh, hone your offensive side of the game at least from what it sounds like because I mean I we're, I mean we're, this is a Blackhawks podcast so the way you kind of described yeah. him sounds like Zadorov in a way so I mean if he's a, if he's a higher ceiling Zadorov that's a that's a good player I mean Zadorov's fine defensively it's just like you said, it sounds like Edmondson has those moments with the puck where it's like he can't make that first pass or he, you know, can't make those chances. But I mean, I he's just been so interesting to me because I've seen pl- people have him as high as three. I've seen people have him as low as fifteen. But I, mm-hmm. I, I like I, I the analysis makes perfect sense, and I actually I agree too with Columbus. Columbus could be really interesting at five because yeah. yeah. you've seen you've seen how they developed like Rowenski and Jones and even guys like Gavrikov have been very good. So yeah. Um, so another, uh, uh, prospect that, uh, I personally have been a little curious with, cause he seems he could maybe fall to the Blackhawks at 11 if the cards fall right is, uh, Chaz Lucius out of the U S development program. He, um, I, I mean, I just, I look at him and I see a player who, if he, if he fits on the right team, he could become a 20 goal guy on the team. Cause he's just got that nose for the net and that he seems like a guy who can kind of play on any line. If you put him with the right playmaker or the right, um, center, or, I mean, I know he plays center, but I, I could see him playing wing at the NHL level just because of his play style. But uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on him. A lot of what you said kind of resonates with me. I, I, I think with Lucius, he's an, a very interesting one. He's, he's a guy who, I mean, if a team takes him at like seven for, for whatever, not saying that's going to happen, but mm-hmm. if that is something that happens, it would be shocking for the public, but for me, it's like, you know what? If you think he, if you think he could be that good, I can kind of see why, especially if you're taking the angle of, oh, well, we did some background work on him and checked out his medical stuff and talked with doctors and his coaches, and he was never at 100%. Like, he was playing well, but he was never Chaz Lucius. And if that's the case then absolutely I can see why a team would, would jump the gun and pick him and, and hope that things work out for him. Um, I, I wouldn't say in terms of a, you know, he's a guy who scores constantly and the way that I found that he scores isn't necessarily ways that I think are going to hit highlight reels in the NHL. I, I think that what he does so well is little pockets of space in the, under pressure in the offensive zone. He knows how to put the puck in there and then just get something like he mm-hmm. can he can he can get to the net one way or the other. He's not the best skater, he's not the most skilled guy, but he just knows how to sort of put the puck between a guy's feet or put the puck between a guy's foot and his skate or sorry, foot and his stick blade and just use those little pockets of space to just, you know, move around, get a little chance, little tiny opening and get something on net. Or, you know, when he doesn't have the puck, he knows how to position himself where if the puck does get to him, he's got a wide open net. So I've seen him score a bunch of goals just getting to the side of the net rather than standing right in front of it. And a little dumb rebound just comes right to his stick and it's just an easy tap in. So mm-hmm. having just a natural instinct, I guess, for the net is something that I think makes sense. I do have questions about the games that I've seen of him where, like you said, I think he's more likely to be a winger. I think that his pace and his footwork and and raw speed or 
underwhelming and defensively he's he's both not super active in defensive play his defensive results are not great and his ability to shut down transitions is also pretty inefficient for a forward um he's not a very active passer of the puck you know he kind of just gets the puck gets to the offensive zone and and gets a chance for himself and that's kind of the 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 rinse lather repeat of his game which is fine um it's just a matter of what upside does he really have like he doesn't have the shot that someone like a Cole Sillinger has or or even a Matthew Coronado who scored a ton of goals this year as well he doesn't really have that sort of natural shot quality where he's dangerous from everywhere but i mean if you want to put him in front of the net on a power play he's going to score goals if you want to put him on a on the on a line with with some faster skilled guys and just let him be the the last chain of events to put the puck on net I think that's also perfectly reasonable. Um, so I see him as more of like a complimentary guy rather than a major, major play driver. And I know like you guys are, you guys are, are Chicago guys. Mm-hmm. And if he's the guy at 11, like that's higher than I have him ranked, but I understand why he would go there. And and I think with Chicago, you know, you drafted Lucas Reichel last year who has very similar sort of scoring output from, from getting to the front of the net um, in a bit of a different way. But I could see how those two players could sort of play off of each other if they were maybe not on the same line, but he's interesting. He's a guy where I wish I could go in the future and and see what happens with his game. (laughs) Um, But I I don't think he's going to go any later than I have him ranked, but I could easily see a world where he, you know, teams feel a little bit uh, confident and just say, we think he's a lot better than his injuries limited to let it limited to him to limited him to this year. And maybe they just take him, you know, like Ottawa at 10 or something, because also mm-hmm. they kind of need centers or Chicago at 11. I could easily see that happening, even if it's not the the way that I would go. But I, mm-hmm. I understand the logic. Yeah. I mean, from what it sounds like when you say he's kind of like he, he's good with that, those tight areas and stuff. It kind of sounds a lot like uh, kind of how James Van Riemsdyk is in front of the net. Maybe not in a terms of the same size, but just how if you give him some space in front of the net, he's usually either going to get a chance on or he's going to at least slip a pass through or maybe even score in between his legs. Who knows? Yeah, he tends there's to, a, you, you know what I mean? Though. There's like, a bit of that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Mm hmm. And I mean, teams need that. I mean, you see how they score. You've seen how teams score in the playoffs. It's a lot of dirty rebounds. It's a lot of you got to get traffic in front of the net. And I, I could see that being like, obviously, like you said, his defensive game, he'll have, you'll have to work on, but with a lot of the kids, a lot of players were, in my opinion, where if they have a certain skill set like that, if I'm like, if I'm a team, I would say maybe we can develop those skills into him or maybe just try to work it out and, that's a player yeah. that I think you would take a risk on. So absolutely, yeah. He, it was just the way he scores goals really interested me because mm-hmm. obviously you got guys who could score from the perimeter all day, but if you get a guy who can score within six feet of the net, that's huge come uh, yeah. playoff time. So. Yeah, hundred percent. I know. Um, I know Pierce wanted to talk about the the goalies in this draft. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> oh, it, we've kind of heard all over the place with the goalies too. We've heard. The goalies are better than Knight and uh, Askarov the last few years, but I've also heard that like Walshtek could be the best one out of all of them. I, I don't know if Pierce wants to add any of that, but we're just really curious to see how you rank those goalies. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, sorry, I was just gonna say like it's kind of a two-part question. It's yeah, it's like how do you evaluate goalies? Do you try to like look at them yourself, or do you kind of rely more on uh, other people? 
who do more of the goalie evaluating, and then second, like, do these guys have the chance to be an elite goalie, and are, and are they in that class with, uh, you know, Spencer Knight or Yaroslav Skaroff? I don't know if Kosa is, but, like, I've definitely heard a lot of wall step, but someone like Sebastian Kosa has really risen up the ranks. Yeah. Uh, goalies are tough. Um, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the thing, I think, like, it's always interesting to me. A big thing that helped me when I was starting to get into this was stepping back and saying, okay, I'm going to go look at all of the players that are ranked very highly by people. And I'm going to look at the players who weren't ranked highly, but worked out and see if I can find footage of them when they were draft eligible and see what the commonalities were between all of those things and, and what people might be asleep, what might, what they might be sleeping on and what they might, you know, might, might really be dialed in on what would put someone at the top of someone's board rather than someone who might slip and end up being valuable down the road. And that's much easier, not easier, but that's much clearer for me, at least with, with skaters and not goalies. But this year I definitely did. And, and a little bit last year as well, but, but this year I definitely tried to go out of my way a bit to, to, to learn a little bit more about goaltending and sitting back and, watching guys like Wallstead and Casa and and go okay let's assume that the scouts are right and try to figure out from scratch why and what makes those guys so unique and then go and watch and that, and then go and watch some other goalies who are eligible this year and maybe see why those guys aren't on the same level as a Wallstead or 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 a Casa and so with Wallstead, the thing that I always fall back on is you can question goalies going in the first round until the cows come home. I wasn't a huge Spencer Knight guy, I, and and that was one where it's like, look, if someone else wants to take the risk, by all means, do it, and if it works out, good for you. But I didn't really like how, you know, I didn't like his numbers with the NTDP. I didn't like how little of a workload he was facing. The team in front of him was spectacular. It just wasn't right for me at the at the range where i mean looking back on it it's easy to say he should have gone what top 10 maybe i don't know um but right now i'm sitting there going well good like good for the florida panthers it worked out for them with askarov to me last year he's like i mean i could see a world where askarov becomes sort of the modern day equivalent of like a dominic hashik where it's like you don't it doesn't make any sense how he how he stops the puck so much but he stops the puck you know, you saw that unrefinement of his game, I think, at the World Juniors a little bit this year. Uh, but when he was playing against men, uh, he was pretty darn good. And a lot of that comes from just raw, pure athleticism. Like, I am going to track the puck. Even if I'm out of position, I will find a way to make that stop. And with Wallstead, it's like the opposite to me. And when I watched Jesper Wallstead, it took me about five minutes for me to go, okay, I see why this guy's such a good player. Like, I've been around long enough to know that European coaches will find any reason not to play young players, and especially goaltenders. And no other player has ever done what Jesper Wallstead is doing, which is playing at least a part-time role full season long on a men's pro team in, in Sweden at the top level. No one's ever done that. His first half of the year was really good. Second half, he kind of regressed a little bit, but he still ended up perfectly respectable. And the team he was playing behind was really giving up some some quality chances against him. And the things that he seemed to struggle with, from my view and from what the data that I have access to shows, is that his biggest weakness seems to be just tracking pucks when they're being cycled along the, the perimeter, rather than stopping pucks when they're in tight and up close and those things that, you know, goalies just have a hard time 
getting on top of, but his problem is just shots through traffic could just get through him. And I don't know how you work on that. I'm not a goalie coach, but that was, that's the weakness I would say in his game, whereas the rest of it was perfectly fine. And the thing that I love about him is just how dialed in he is. He doesn't waste motion. He's efficient. He, he takes up a lot of the net, his ability to, to go side to side in the crease when monitoring play, it always just feels like he's ready to make a stop, whether it's, you know, stopping something from the perimeter, hopefully, or, you know, ready if something comes inside and, and he needs to block that block that shot from in tight. I just look at him and Casa is similar to a certain extent where there's just that technical know-how where he's just really in the zone. And, and you know, you watch how his knees move and how he moves across the crease and it's all just very calculated and very precise and very quick and efficient and to me that's a lot to work with and if the and if the ability to sort of see through traffic and you know ability to stay comfortable in awkward positions and such sort of comes a ways and he can you know track play a little bit better over the next little while I mean I don't see why he can't be a great goaltender and I I I, I don't know I thought he should have played at the world junior championship the whole time I I like I liked how he played when he did play um so yeah, I, I'm a big fan of him. He's in that top group for me. And I mean, obviously at some point in the draft, the way I see it is I think Jesper Volstead could be a number one goaltender, a guy you play every night. So at some point, it's not a guarantee, but at some point in the draft, there's an intersection between how much potential value that player could add to your team. And if you pass on him, what potential value could that other player add? So if you're talking like Jesper Volstead versus, I don't know, Fyodor Svechkov, which is my 13th guy, Fyodor Svechkov could be a good, maybe a good second line center with some offensive potential, maybe down the road. Are you going to draft the guy who could be, maybe be a second line do two way center, or do you want to take the risk on a guy who might be your starting goaltender for 10 years? And, and personally, like, if you whiff on the goalie and it's like 10th or 11th overall, I think you could be forgiven for that, especially one that played in the SHL all season. Like Kari Lettinen played his draft eligible season in Finland and they, they threw him straight into the NHL because it was the Atlanta Thrashers. But, you know, <laughs> oh but, but, but if you're, but if they played that game a little patiently, like as he got older, he did become a perfectly serviceable NHL goaltender and had some good years here and there. So, if a team is patient with Wallstead and sort of lets him develop in Sweden until he's dominant over there, I, I think that there's I, with him, the sky's the limit with Casa. I'm much less hot on him. I, I just see CHL goaltending, especially in this specific season. And I'm not totally sure, but the track record and what I see out of him with my eyeballs kind of tracks and I have him in my, in my first round. And again, it's that whole thing of like the intersection. Would I let him slip through the first round? In this year's draft, probably not. There's a lot of risk in this year's draft, I think. There's a lot of guys who have some holes or or they're inconsistent or just a lot of question marks. And with Casa, he was pretty good all year, and there's a lot of things to like about him. So it'll be interesting. I mean, if Casa goes at like 12, because Jesper Valsta goes at 10 and someone wants a goalie, sure, I, I could see <laughs> that universe as well. But but yeah, it's it's definitely still very tough for me, but I definitely also rely on other people, people who are smarter with goaltending than myself to to help. Um, but yeah, it's always been interesting for me without with any with any player to sort of say, okay, why are these players highly valued and why are these ones not? And then sort of sort of building your own sort of philosophy from that, I guess. I was gonna say the Blackhawks drafted Drew Comesso with their second round pick last year, and he had a 
good year with uh, Boston University, and I think it says a lot, like how much faith, like uh, the people, like the U.S. hockey has in him that they let him go over to the uh, World Championships. But even though he didn't play a game, I think he was the third string goalie for the U.S. and he got a bronze medal out of it. And uh, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But uh, I don't know. Again, I'm, I don't. I don't know much about goalies, but I don't. I don't know if he has the first goalie. Uh, upside again, like as a lot of people say, goalies are voodoo. But I mean, if you're kind of uh, at that spot, like with Chicago, and you know, kind of all those top end players are gone, and you look at some of these guys, where you know, maybe you get a second line uh, winger out of one of them, which isn't bad. But then you look at the potential, maybe uh, drafting a potential number one goalie. I think uh, that's maybe a risky take, especially in this year's draft. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I, it was just like with Wallstead, it's like um, you just hear a little bit of something different from everyone. But um, I haven't actually heard that uh, about like the shots through traffic thing. So I feel like that's something that could definitely easily be fixed because it's not like he's like out of position or something. Like, you know, it's yeah. not some glaring weakness. Like, it's that's good to hear for sure. Because, um, yeah. I, I mean, like, like we said, we're a Hawks podcast. So for the last month and a half or so. It's been kind of on, on on the athletic that if Walsh sets there at eleven, they're probably going to take him. At least in, I, at least that's what I'm getting out of it because they wouldn't be bringing up Walsh this much if they're not at least thinking about it. So <laughs> yeah, and at eleven, I think it's perfectly reasonable. I, mm-hmm. I think it's perfectly worth the risk. Again, he's in uncharted waters, right? Like, I, and again, like the data that I was talking about comes from Instat, which is pretty private and insular, but. That's what I've been able to to pick out sifting through it. And I mean, look, like the NHL let Andre Vasilevsky slip to way too late <laughs> in the draft. And wow. and we and he was a guy who had a heck of a pedigree going into that NHL draft, but everyone sort of went, Yeah, but he's a goalie from Russia and like who knows if he'll ever come over and da 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 da. I don't think the Tampa Bay Lightning regret that pick whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, if 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 that's happening again with Wallstead I mean, I have him ranked really high because I think a really, 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 really good goalie can save your job. And and I think that that <laughs> is worth it for a GM. But again, I understand why people would say, yeah, but would you take him over a Luke Hughes? Like, I have him ranked higher than Luke Hughes, but at the same time, I get it. Like, I'd have time for that agree- that, that that discussion to say, okay, like, I'll, I'll, I'll cool it. I We probably won't get him, but... He, he's probably going to be really good. <laughs> so, so don't forget right. that. So don't forget that, but like, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll relent. Um, oh, yeah. who are some players that you were higher on that maybe like other, like, like, uh, I guess a scouting publication artist high on that you could potentially see dropping to the second round. That could be a steal on day two. <sighs> There's a lot. I, this year's draft is going to be just uh, the words I've been saying to people. So I'll say it to you guys as well. I think it's going to be a greasy horror show. Like just a complete, <laughs> like a complete mess of what I think is going to happen versus what comes out in the wash. I mean, <laughs> I like I'm looking at my list now. Like I have Simon, I have Logan Stankoven at 14. I was going to actually ask you about that because I've kind of getting on the hype train oh, for Logan Stankoven. I, I, I absolutely love how he plays hockey, yeah. and I think I think that he's going to be a guy who, at my in my view, I mean, I'd be surprised if he was in the second round. I, but I think it's possible. Uh, I think teams would look at him and go, okay, five foot seven guy who played center all year. Like, yeah, his under 18 was great, but eh, you know, still like, I think the criticism that comes closest to swaying me against it is like, he's already sort of playing at his peak potential. But then I sort of look like I was, I was watching tape on him. Actually. It's funny. 
the other night just to sort of solidify my list for the final final ranking. And I was sitting there like talking to someone at the same time, and I was saying like, you know, like, I, I get the the criticism that of, of guys like Stankoven where they're playing at a hundred percent all the time, and and where can their game go from there? And I'm like, yeah, like, but is he really like he looks like he's going quick, and but is he going quick? And I came across a breakaway goal of his where he just he's fat he's fast as shit like he just he totally <laughs> leaves the guy behind it's not even close and it, maybe that's just a slow opponent but he looks like he's going pretty darn fast and so <laughs> to me it's like there's so much to like about his game and if he's a guy that slips through the first round and whoever picks you know like if let's say the buffalo sabers get another top five pick this year from trading a jack eichel and they end up with a matthew Beniers and matt and william eckland in the first five picks. And then in their second round, they just add Logan Stankoven on top of that. I'm laughing. That's a great day for them. That's a great couple of days. Um, I have Simon Robertson really high, but he's a guy who I've seen ranked outside the first round here and there. The biggest one that might be a huge wild card is Scott Morrow, who I'm a huge fan of, but I've seen people putting him as late as the third round or later. Um, He's ranked 39th by NHL central scouting in North America. To me, that means like late second round. So and I get why, like I get, I get it. I understand. I just have him ranked really high because one, this year's draft is, uh, is so much uncertainty. There's so much uncertainty. And when there is certainty, it's not truly very high level. I don't think, but with Scott Morrow, he's extremely raw. He's got to work through some things, but it's like that Nils Hoglander thing where you see what he's capable of, especially when he's got the puck it's just that when he doesn't is when there are some bad habits, but you know, and a, and a lot of people are questioning his, his, him sticking at Shattuck St. Mary's this year, instead of going to the USHL and seeing that he didn't score points in the USHL when he did play. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, but especially for defensemen, like I think we're in the era where people are realizing that points and defensemen are not in it. They're, they're not completely linked together perfectly. It's, it's a good indicator, but it's not perfect. And I found that he got better and better every time he played a game down there. So I, I think that with Scott Morrow, like I have him ranked in the first round and if he's available as a second or even a third round pick, uh, it's worth the swing. It's like if Wallstead's available at 20, it's like, well, maybe he's going to miss, but like, geez, if he hits like, the things he can do, not other, not many other defensemen in, in this year's draft can really do the things that he can do in combination. So I think there's a few. I mean, I'm looking at my list now. Vili Koivinen out in Finland is another one who I have in the first round who is, on average, according to me, 44th-ish, so mid, middle of the second round. William Strumgren might be a second-round pick that I have in the first round. Ayrton Martino is another one. There's a lot of them, and... We'll see what happens. I mean, but again, I think that once you get past like 20 in this year's draft, there's maybe 30 players, I'd say, that I don't know what to do. Like, they're just, it's <laughs> so even. And you just kind of have to, in my view, you just pick who you like and hope that, you know, you have a strong developmental pathway and a strong understanding of strengths and weaknesses that can turn the player into what the what you want them to be or what you think they can be. Because I think there are some really good players in there. It's just a matter of like, you got to pick one and uh, make it the right one, right? So we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, there's a lot of guys I have ranked pretty high that that will probably be available day two. That's what makes this year's, year's draft so interesting and fascinating. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch again, even though there isn't that, you know, franchise talent, that there's still a lot of players that could be like, uh, you know, middle of the lineup contributors, top line of the line contributors. And uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, Schmitty, do you want to ask the question about his favorite videos to make? Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, I, like, I had recently this year just started getting into watching your content, and I just, I find it so good. I've never, like, it's just, you put so much time and effort into your videos, and I just want to say they're fantastic. Um, oh, I just wanted, I just wanted to know if you had a, a personal favorite that you've made over the last couple years, because you've had some great analysis videos oh, and streams and whatnot so i'm just curious what's maybe been your favorite to make so far <laughs> really good question i've never thought of that um i jeez, like man uh the fabian lasalle one was a lot of fun to put together um i uh i'm really like it hasn't come out yet but i'm really happy with how the owen power one came out it's going to be the last one before the draft it, i finished it today uh nice. i'm pretty happy with how it came out um but in terms of like, it's always really funny to me when when my audience thinks of ideas that I didn't think of and then does it for me. Like there was, it's only, it's only happened a couple of times, but someone, uh, it was after Canada won the World Juniors last year. And uh, at the time I was living in my parents' basement. So I loved to make the joke that I'm living in my parents' basement, but <laughs> I had good reason to be living there. Um, but they had just won and I had, uh, my, my mother is, a, she sews. So she has this like mannequin to fit, you know, fabric to and, and draw templates on and stuff and so we have a we had this mannequin that just happened to be in the background of my live streams and so when canada won the world champ world juniors i i tried to put a canada jersey on the mannequin for the live stream <laughs> and i couldn't because there was some bracket on the back that was preventing the jersey oh. from going to the top so i didn't want to ruin it so instead i just started pinning it i took my mom's sewing pins and started pinning it to the to the mannequin and someone <laughs> someone ripped that video and uh and put the Canadian national anthem over it, and it and it, <laughs> and it and it lined up and it lined up perfectly. It, it the, oh this from God. the start of the song to the end, and it was uncut and it was perfect. And uh, I thought that was hilarious, and I would never have thought of doing that myself. But uh, in terms of reports, um, I mean, I always like to go back and watch the old ones. I I really like the how the Zach Jones one from 2019 turned out because that was a guy where. I kind of stuck my neck out a little bit because the numbers looked really good. The track data that I had was kind of iffy a bit in some ways, but you could see him on the ice and you could see what he was capable of. And again, it's similar to that Hoaglander thing where it's like at the, at the end of that video, I kind of go through it. It's like, look, his offensive transition and efficiency is not great. It's under 50%, which is bad for a defenseman. You just, you want to be controlling the puck and he's just firing the puck off the glass and out and he's got enough skill and, and footwork to make it work on his feet. So why doesn't he do that more often? To me, it was like, all right, that, that's an easy fix, right? Like you tell a player play with the puck more. What are they going to tell you to shut up and go away? Like they're going to be like, <laughs> oh, okay, I should have the puck more. Great. Like, cool. You believe in me. Great. And over time when he was in college, it was just like, oh, okay, he's actually really talented. And so pointing that out, especially two years ago when, I was still pretty new and I just kind of had a hunch. Those kinds of things were always really interesting to me where, where I kind of stick my neck out a little bit and whether I'm right or wrong, it's fun when you're right, but when you're wrong, it's going, okay, like where did I, where did I kind of get things wrong? So it, 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 it's always interesting to look back on that, but those are the videos that I always really like to, to look back on for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, Shmini, do you have anything else to ask? Um, uh, before yeah, I think I'm good actually. Like okay. this has been this has been great. Like, yeah. Uh, the thing about 
Yeah, the thing about uh, having like uh, prospect evaluating evaluators on, like we had Chris Peters on, and now we had you on. It's just like you guys are so smart that you can just talk the the whole time and just shut up, uh, uh, shut us up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just listening, and it's just like yeah. it's all new info. Like I just I love being like informed of new prospects and just yeah. Yeah. new ways to new ways to watch the game. You know what I mean? Just like stuff to track and whatnot. Because well, yeah, I, sorry, Chris. I at least. Uh, well, I'm a sport management degree, so I've always kind of been gravitated towards the like kind of how you you said you were when you were younger, gravitated towards more of the business side of everything and how it's run. And it's just um, it's really cool to see how you've taken a passion and just made it into something so much more, just by um, you know, just doing something that you love and looking and just going more into a sport that you love. And it's just great to it's great to hear, man. Like it's awesome. It's it gives me a lot of um, inspiration because I'm just starting to get into the field and I'm looking to see like where I would like to fall and like what my strengths are and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I I get it. I mean, I I uh, you know, it is there. There are people who will say, oh, you know, follow your follow your passions, follow this, follow that, follow that, and then you know. I, to me, it's like what I do doesn't really feel like work. And that's the key. It's like it's not something where I I wake up every day thinking about it. It feels like a you chore. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And I but it's like it's like when I sit down, start watching games, start filling out my data and and building the work, it's like, okay, I, I kinda get, you know, like my dad is big into genealogy, for example. And that's kinda not the exact same thing, but it's like record keeping right like it's very mm -hmm. sort of like clinical and he picked that up when he was in when his, his he was in middle age right so if you know i don't want to sit here and say like follow your dream to whatever cost it takes right like i still have a full-time job um but to me like the thing that always makes me feel better is there's nothing that literally there's there's nothing in front of me literally that says that i cannot at least try to do what i want to do you know there's no there's no qualifications for being an NHL scout, really, at the surface of it, right? Like you, you mm -hmm. it helps if you play the game. It helps if you know people. It helps with all these things. But the great thing about being alive in 2021 is that you, the tools that are accessible for like very little money to do pretty much whatever you want, like starting a Patreon campaign is free. And I knew I wanted to do that from day one. Starting a YouTube channel is free registering a business at least where i live is like 80 bucks and and you know i maybe spent two thousand dollars getting this off the ground you know camera equipment you know lights and and all that stuff but the rest of it it's all up to me and to be able to start that from scratch and not have to invest that much or not have to worry so much about building a business plan and just trying to figure out as I go and make it more about learning for myself. And maybe in 10 years, I'll be doing something completely different, but that came from this great. Like that's perfectly cool. And I think that that's a big thing that I think uh, it's hard to sort of understand unless you kind of go through it. Like I had to go, I had to go through some personal stuff where at the end of it, I sort of sat back and went, all right, like if I'm going to be a human being that is alive, I need to, to do something for me, you know, like something that is crazy and, and ambitious because otherwise, like, I don't know, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Right. And, and I would, I would be like, dang, like that was a waste, you know, whereas now, <laughs> <laughs> whereas now I can sort of sit here and go, you know what, like it's taken me a few years, but I have contacts that are all over the world that, that do this for a living. 
you know, I get to talk with people and learn from them. I, I love watching hockey. It's completely transformed how I watch the sport. Um, and it's completely transformed how I think about it and what I pay attention to and what I value. And that's all just come from just being eager to learn and willing to try things and, and just picking people's brains, especially when they come to me and want to pick my brain. Um, it's always really interesting to me when, when that kind of thing happens. So, you know, yeah, like I'm glad that it can be some level of inspiration to people. Cause I think people, people need reasons to be inspired these days. Uh, and, uh, and I'm happy to be part of that, but yeah, I mean, it's really just, it's hard work, but it's something where I'm sitting here going like, yeah, but it's my work and it's, and I get to do it. And mm-hmm. you know, it's not perfect, not perfect, ever going to be perfect, but like, nothing really is. And you also learn pretty quickly that in reality, not a whole lot of people know what they're doing all the time anyway. So we're all just, we're all just trying to do our best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, example, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. It's so great to hear that. Um, I, again, like what you do on YouTube is just so unique. Again, it seems like a very niche, like kind of community, but it's also yep. nice to see, you know, kind of, I guess, casuals kind of latch on to drafting or like the draft and like getting into prospects and all of that. Yeah. I mean, that's been the really interesting thing too. Uh, like you can, and also you can tell me to, to buzz off, but like, I, I, I think the interesting thing as well, that's been done through fundraising and through Patreon is that now, um, there's a way that, that people who are really serious can sort of be in their own community of people. Like it's a financial investment for them you know, but it's like, sometimes you got to pay money to, to, to get access to something that you enjoy. And Mm -hmm. for me, like the discord server that I've started is full of people who genuinely are interested, whether it's fans of teams or people who legitimately want to watch more hockey and, and understand more. And there are other people in there who do the work and, and put, you know, put the boots on the ground and do the thing. Um, and just having, you know, like you said, it's a very niche thing. And when I tell people what I do and why I do it and what, you know, when I tell them what I do, they're like, okay, that's a little bit weird. And like, I have friends sometimes who are like, oh, I saw your live stream last night. I have no idea what you were talking about, but you sounded well. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going like, yeah, you know, it's not for everyone, but like, there's other (laughs) angles to it that I'm trying to take here. Right. Like it's kind of trying to prove to, to the world that this is something that I want to do and I'm capable of doing. And it's my way of doing it. Otherwise I'm, there's a lot of other people doing things that the, there's a lot of people doing it one way, which is like writing for sites and being on Twitter and being active on Twitter and everything. But like I said, for me with the YouTube angle, there was no one doing it. And the easiest way to get some kind of audience on YouTube is find something no one else is doing and do it. You know, like you could make a reaction channel. Sure. But like there's a hundred thousand. <laughs> of them. So if that's what you really want to do, great. You just might have to grind to get there. Whereas for me, it took maybe six months for me to start gaining, you know, a few hundred subscribers here and there. And then the draft came and I did a live stream for the draft and it kind of popped off there. And then, you know, obviously it's not the biggest YouTube channel in the world, but it is a nice combination of people who legitimately care and then there's also people who just drop in in July or June to just keep, you know, catch up with whoever their team drafts, which is cool, too. Um, but then the added services that we have access to, again, going back to what you can do on the Internet for very little money, like a, starting a Discord server is usually free. I now but now I spend money on it because there's money to be there's it's worth investing in. Um, mm-hmm. And and it and it's something where I can reinvest the money that I'm paid. So 
it's a good community though. And it's a nice sort of corner of the internet where this weird niche topic can be discussed and, and in a way that I think is beneficial. So it's really interesting how that's kind of turned out. And that is something that I think, uh, I'm really, really happy with, and it doesn't even have anything to really do with me. It's other people being involved and sort of engaging in discussion on this really weird topic that again, it's not super marketable, but I mean, I also say it also kind of should be more marketable. Like, look yeah. at the NFL draft in the States, you know, Seriously. the NBA draft. They're absolutely bananas down there. And the NHL draft is not. It's just not seen the same way when in reality it probably should be. And I think my angle is trying to insert a little bit more fun into it as well. Like, trying to make it more, you know, fun. Yeah, like, it's yeah. just to, to me so... Yeah, it's been really, it's been an interesting experiment. Uh, I mean, I hope I'm not doing it in 20 years, but like, you know, if I am, great. Yeah. But, you know, but <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a ton of fun. Oh, for sure. That's and, what uh, he needs, more fun. Yeah, exactly. it does. <laughs> for sure. And one thing that's going to help, at least in some regard, is the new TV deals, because at least they're going to put a lot of coverage on things like the draft and the expansion draft. And hopefully they'll have some free agent coverage at least. Yeah, so you hope. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like it's, it's just going to get you more eyes on the product at the end of the day. And that's what this sport needs more than anything. In my opinion, it's just more people watching it because yeah. the NHL likes to think of themselves as a part of the big four, but they're not, they're not, yeah. they're like, yeah. they're like seven on the list probably, <laughs> but it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, they'll get there eventually. Like, let's put it this way. They picked a better time than ever to get this new TV rights deal with the amount of young talent that is about to jump into this league. And not even that, that's already here and about to hit their prime. It's just going to be an exciting time for hockey in the next eight or so years. So yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely. excited for sure. Like <laughs> I'm the kind of, I'm the kind of guy who is never, ever going to stop yelling about how amazing Connor McDavid is. Exactly. You know? Like it seems like, it seems like people have kind of stopped like people say like, Oh my God, look at all the points he's scoring. But I don't think you're seeing a whole lot of real granular discussion of like, yeah, yeah but how is Connor McDavid so friggin' good? Like he should be on highlight packages every day. He should be on TV networks. He should be yeah. on Wheaties boxes. Like he should be everywhere, you know? And he kind of isn't or like Austin Matthews, like he's a pretty visible guy in Toronto, obviously, cause he mm -hmm. plays here and everything. But like, I don't know, like in terms of, like the focus of the game seems to be not on its stars, but it rather what, but like the focus for them seems to be on this weird cultural thing of like what hockey is. Like it's they try to game. Yeah, yeah. Like they try yeah. to sell hockey and not sell hockey through the people that are really good at it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of a bit difficult to sort of get over. Like, I don't know. I think it's better than it was a little while ago, especially yeah. now that more and more teams are seeing the actual use of social media um, mm. rather than just being a, a dissertation service, like a content provider, I guess. Mm. Like they're trying to make yeah. memes out of it and trying to get the players <laughs> involved and making it a little bit more laid back. So I think it's on the right track. Uh, but again, these little weird niche topics, like you said, like the free agency thing or the NHL draft, especially like I think the NHL draft should be a really exciting thing and it is for a certain group of people i think it's the fans. exciting most exciting day in the world i guess like i'm thinking you know it's just going to be like done through i think zoom again but like yeah. once it goes back to like i think montreal is going to host a draft next year i like i think it's the most exciting place you're seeing all these young players yeah. drafted and all it's going to be 32 gms sitting in one room and just the 
I mean, just even hearing get Gary Bettman go up to the podium and saying, I have a trade to announce, like, that's just, mm-hmm. it's one of the best moments in the year for me. Yeah. But, uh, like, unfortunately, they, they, for some people, it isn't. It would be really funny if they did an NHL draft where instead of having all the teams on the floor, they had them in maybe boxes around the arena and <laughs> and instead put fans on the floor. You know, I, I feel like if you had, and I bet you would sell all of the tickets, like, mm-hmm. if you had standing room only, on the on the floor of an arena for the NHL draft, like the NFL draft did, I feel like you would sell tickets. So I don't know. I just think that that might be an interesting experiment to make it more of that F- NFL draft kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I don't know. I am. It's 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 definitely on the right track. I think cautiously optimistic, but <laughs> we'll have to see what happens for sure. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you f- uh, for coming on. And just before we uh, let you go here, um, yep. we have a couple of Twitter questions to ask you and then just a yeah. couple of uh, general like lightning round questions. So, uh, of course, obviously, I tweeted out uh, we're having you on join the podcast in a bit. And we got a couple of uh, uh, questions to ask you. This is from our good uh, friend, Charles. Uh, who do you see the Blackhawks taking in the first round? Personally, I go Chaz Lucius or Fabian LaSalle. And Fabian LaSalle is someone I also wanted to bring up. Like if he's there at... Uh, I think it's 11. Uh, it's 11th selection, that 12th actual pick. Do you pick him there? Because I think I would take the risk there, especially yep. if someone like Jesper Walsh is gone. Yep. Yeah, that would be an easy one. Like if if if, if LaSalle's name came up with someone, with other people not named just me, uh, yeah, I would be on that train full on. He's number four on my board. If he's And oh, he yeah. might be available yeah. at 11. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a tremendous player there potentially. Uh, if, if, if it was if it was just me saying Fabian LaSalle and everyone else was saying someone else and it was 11th overall and the 10 names on my board are gone, uh, Mason McTavish, if he's available, but I cannot believe he would be available at 11th. No, especially like being a center. His, yeah. his stock um, went up so much after yeah. the U18s. <laughs> so to me, I, I mean, LaSalle will probably be available. Like I'm just looking at the names here. Like someone's going to slip to 10, I would there say, always but I think is, should be there. slips. And, you know, like, look at Florida getting Anton Lundell. I would never have thought that <sighs> Anton Lundell no. would have been available there. So something's going to happen. I feel like some team is going to get Chaz Lucius before 11. I feel maybe that's going to happen. Or, you know, Sebastian Casa, if Wallstead goes early, like a team maybe panics and takes another goalie. You know, Cole Sillinger, maybe a team jumps into the top 10. So someone could get boxed out. Like if Dylan Gunther's available for them at 11, maybe if that's possible, Brant Clark be could awesome. be the guy. That slips out. Like if Brant Clark gets a bit of the Cam Fowler treatment, who was a top oh, five I pick, wish. you know, mm-hmm. maybe you can snag him later. Oh, I, I have I have Atu Ratu in that range. I really like him still. I know people are kind of writing him off, but I think yeah, there's a really I, I like good player too, there. Yeah. Like the good mm-hmm. thing is for Chicago, they're like a couple of things are gonna happen. One of a couple of things. I think either someone very highly touted is gonna slip and it's gonna be an easy pick to me, or or they're gonna, it's gonna go about as expected, and the top ten or so names are gonna be fine, and maybe Fabian Lasalle is drafted or not. If that's the case, and Fabian Lasalle is available, then he would be my guy. But if he isn't, and it's literally all of the eleven, you know, all of the top names that I have are gone, you know, someone like a Chaz Lucius maybe makes sense. 
I especially for Chicago, who I don't know where they're at in their quote unquote like retool or rebuild. They could really use I, anything. I don't yeah. even think they know where they are personally. So yeah. <laughs> so would you want to? You know, could you be patient with a player like a Fyodor Svechkov and give him a few years to develop in 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 Russia? And I would not be against that idea. I like him more than 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 Lucius as an impact player. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Cole Sillinger, if he's available at eleven, I could like be a Sillinger. great pickup. So those would be the names that I would push for, like a Svechkov and a Sillinger kind of thing. You know, the rest, we'll see. I mean, Simon Robertson might be a name that comes up, but again, you got to pick one. And I, yeah. I feel like I feel like the most likely thing is someone pretty high up my list will be available. And if that's Fabian LaSalle, yeah, LaSalle and Reichel are pretty good building blocks to, to build around. Yeah. They're, not, they're not game changers, I don't think. Maybe it'll LaSalle one day, but they're going to be very, I think those two guys are going to be pretty good. Put him next to Kirby Duck, and that's not bad. And Alex, there you go. They got got a couple guys already. That's true. They have some guys. You forget how young those guys are. (laughs) Oh yeah, they're really like everyone. Like we had Adam Wild on a couple months ago, and he was he was like, "Who's the Hawks' big forward guy?" I was like, "Well, I mean, Alex Dabrinkit." It was on a 50 goal pace this year, but no one wants to talk about that. And he's like 22, so yeah, he's all right. Yeah, Yeah. he's pretty good. Would you draft Logan? Oh, sorry. Would you uh, just a quick question? I was going to say draft... shouldn't have gone in the first round in 2016 no, no. or anything, but you know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Speaking of uh, short uh, goal scoring forwards, uh, would you draft Lo- Logan Stankoven at number 12 or whatever they're picking? Uh, yeah, I ugh. I want to. Like, yeah, I want to. I like him enough where it enters the conversation. I just there's a. Ugh. I feel like someone really good is going to be available there. And yeah, I, yeah. I really like Stankoven, but. It just he just might be like the honorable mention on that list, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. just might not be quite there. If it was like fourteen or fifteen, then sign me up, right? But ugh, that's a tough one. I'm not a hundred percent sure. All right, the second and last Twitter question: uh, What could Carson Lambos do next to Adam Boakfist? Interesting question. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Carson Lambos is very weird. You, yeah, you want to talk yeah. about someone who could go way higher than 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 anticipated. Uh, yeah, Lambos might be one of those. I mean, I, his average rank right now for me is twelve, which I find kind of hard to. Oh no, sorry, twenty-one. Um, yeah. I was misreading. And <laughs> but I could see a team, but I could see a team stepping in and going, yeah, but have you did you do you remember watching him last year? You know, this year you could just make the argument that. The pandemic is weird, and like yeah. he went to Finland, and he's out of a fish out of water, and had a really weird time in Finland, and then he got hurt, you know. And mm. I would say, okay, like if you want to draft him on that merit, then sure, I think he could be a top fifteen pick, but it's risky. Like that's a risky choice, right? Like I tend to gravitate towards players where I can have a track record from this year that I can get behind. I have Lambos in the first round at twenty or nineteen, yeah, nineteen, yeah. and I think that's reasonable. Um, I think with Boakvist, like. Bokefist is an offensive leaning guy and that is that no, that's no secret. And I think that you kind of, <laughs> yeah. you kind of, you kind of remove him from his best assets of his game. If you start trying to get him to play more defensively, I think Lucius or Lucius, I think Lambos could be a good, a good offset for him. Um, I think he sort of shores up the defensive side of the game really well. He's kind of got that Edvinson kind of, you can tell that his head is in the right place kind of instinct defensively. He's got, I think, good enough skill and puck management that he can, you know, not be a liability with the puck. His offensive ability is 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 interesting. Um, it just he he just seemed a little bit uncomfortable in Finland. When I watched him in the Liga, you could definitely tell that he was a little bit outmatched um, in terms of just 
generating speed, pursuing grown-up adult defenders. And, you know, like if we're talking about putting him in the same range as a guy like a Simon Edvinson who did play against men pretty much all year, and I didn't really find that he had as many concerns defensively when it came to sort of chasing play down and applying pressure. I could see Lambos being a guy, though, that if it... Like, I don't know if I take him at 11 if I'm the Hawks, but if you somehow, say, trade down or add another first-round pick through whatever trade you make, I don't know. Trading Duncan say, Keith to Edmonton? Yeah, I was just going to say, maybe <laughs> trading Duncan Keith to Edmonton and you get a first-round pick out of that somehow. Imagine. Maybe I could see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, fundamentally speaking, like, if we're talking, if we're talking 11th overall, I'd have a hard time not taking a forward, assuming all the big defensemen are gone. Um, but if you can add that second first round pick and your goal is maybe a guy who can sort of act as a foil for Boakvist, then yeah, Lush, or again, Lambos would be up there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Another option could be Stanislav Fosel or even a, a Corson Kuhlemans or something. Yeah. Like there's interesting options there. Daniil Pacheca as well mm-hmm. could be interesting options later on in the first round if you can add that other pick. But I feel like with if you want a guy who can work off of Boakvist, eh, you might want that pretty soon and you may as well try to find it with another NHL team or as a free agent and try to fill your need that way as well. Again, maybe it's Caleb Jones from Edmonton. Who knows? Maybe it's Caleb Jones. <laughs> exactly. Maybe. Oh my God. All right. So th- that's it for the Twitter questions. And before I let you go, uh, we'll uh, just have some lightning round questions. Uh, I got a few of them here. Um, what's your favorite movie of all time? Or just a couple of oh, your favorite man. movies? Okay. This is super <laughs> embarrassing. This is really, 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 really embarrassing. Nothing can be that embarrassing. Okay. So I'll give you, I'll give you my favorite movie that is yeah. actually legitimately good. And the first movie that came to mind when you said, what's your favorite movie? So my, my legitimately favorite movie, I think, is There Will Be Blood. Oh, uh, yes. Great that movie, that movie is it is one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. ever. And I could watch it every day until I die. The first movie that came to mind when you said, what's your favorite movie? Is Batman and Robin with George Clooney. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. I wish I was joking. But I adore that movie. I think it is so underrated for just how stupid it is you know it i is, respect that i respect it is that, it's that, got that it's got a, said that yeah chris o'donnell I, yeah. as robin arnold and, schwarzenegger as uh yep, mr freeze and then uma thurman as yep. uh poison, poison yeah, you know alicia, no, alicia silverstone as batgirl yeah. yeah yeah just terrible it's all terrible <laughs> but it's so i love the way they they made the they made gotham city look like the old comic books from when i was yeah. a kid and they really sort of chased that goofy cartoon aesthetic. It just went way too goofy, right? Yeah. Like, but man, <laughs> I've seen that movie. Oh, like, I had it on VHS, and then I bought yeah. it on DVD, and and I just watched the crap out of it. And I don't know why. I just, it's just, it's just that movie for me. You know what? I felt bad that I left. You know, I I respect the hell oh, out of that. <laughs> it's so goofy. It's just amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, what's your favorite band slash album ever? Oh my gosh! Um, it doesn't have to be narrow- again. It doesn't have to be narrowed down to just one. Just no, like no, no. I know. Um, yeah. Huh? Man, I know there's good answers in my head for this, but I don't. I'm pulling up my YouTube music account right now. Um, I'm I'm always since I do a lot of video work and watch a lot of video. Uh, I'm super into just sort of like relaxed electronic music yeah, like john, yeah. john hopkins is the man i love john hopkins and his album let me find it uh immunity from 2013 i put it mm-hmm. on all the time when i track it's really really good 
Um, and that's probably the first one that comes to mind. So I'll say that and uh, not think about it too much. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, favorite uh, TV show? Um, it's hard because there's move, there's TV shows that I grew up with that I don't think yeah. aged particularly well. But, <laughs> uh, oh man. I will always, okay, yeah, I'll always go back and watch Trailer Park Boys. Oh, yeah, like yeah. I rewatch that show like once a year just to keep up <laughs> and just, you know, um, TV show. Yeah. yeah. And it, I got into it way too late in life. Like a friend of mine showed it oh, to me, me when too. I was like 24. Yeah. Cause I always thought it was just dumb and like low <laughs> production value and all that stuff. But like, I love, it's I guess I love shows to be that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love shows about depraved human beings like that. Always sunny in Philadelphia. Seinfeld. Yeah, just like, so good. just terrible people just doing terrible things and i don't know it's i don't know why i gravitate to that but those I, are the ones that i fall in fall into if you gravitate to that you'd probably like shameless a lot <laughs> i've been told that by a few people yeah. now so i probably should check that out i also shameless have just recently great. i've just recently been watching uh justin Rowland's new show uh solar opposites which oh, is yeah. also I, it took a little time for me to get into it but once i got into it i was i was i was pretty hooked and it's you know like i was okay into me i was kind of into rick and morty when it came out but uh solar opposites kind of hooked me harder because it's just really zany and weird and like i don't know i love the idea of just naive aliens uh completely not understanding how human culture works and just like the hijinks they get into especially because they can pretty much do whatever they want with impunity so it just gets completely out of control. And I always love watching shows that like I was a Monty Python kid. So yeah, any show, me too. Yeah. any show that just completely gets completely out of control, uh, <laughs> is, uh, always up my alley. Yeah. Uh, two more questions. The yep. two most important questions. One, uh, the second last one, do you think pineapple belongs on pizza? Yeah. You do? Anything, uh, any, look, anything belongs on pizza. That's I don't true. Care. I've, I'm coming. I'm I'm coming towards like pineapple and pizza. Like so, if someone honestly, served me a Hawaiian yeah. pizza three days in a row, I would not want to eat it after the first day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it's fine. Pizza's I don't. I'm not, pizza. Yeah, and and I don't know. I've had pizza with cantaloupe on it before. Wow, and oh, that's a good one. Yeah, like I mean, I I I used to live in Toronto, so you can find a place yeah. that'll pretty much put anything on anything there. So. <laughs> Yeah, like, it, I don't know, I, I thought, you know, arugula and ca- a cantaloupe, how bad could it be? And it was actually really good. So, I don't know, pizza elitists can have their heyday or whatever, like, <laughs> I get it. If you're, like, an Italian person and it really bothers you, fine. But I see it as, like, really weird cultural intersection where <laughs> yeah. people may bastardize what you think is sacred, but, like, whatever. It's just a fruit on pizza, so whatever. <laughs> what about, have you had anchovies on pizza before? Yeah, not a huge. My mom was an anchovies person. Oh yeah. Yeah, not. I never could get on board with that personally. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I used to watch a lot of Futurama, so I saw oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I when in the episode where Fry buys the last anchovies on planet Earth for however much money he pays for it. Uh, I after that I was like, okay, I should probably try anchovies because if if Philip J. Fry loves them so much, I should try them. <laughs> I, uh, not my thing, not really. <laughs> All right. And the last question, what's your hot take for the upcoming draft? Uh, Owen Power is not one of the top five players Ooh. I would pick. That's my hot take. That's All right. Um, uh, so, yeah, thank you for coming on, Will. It was uh, We definitely had you way over the time limit, but I appreciate oh, you coming okay. on and spewing yeah. a lot of knowledge and uh, 
Yeah, Thank if anyone so hasn't checked out um, uh, Will, uh, Will on YouTube, you can look it up on Scouting. He provides incredible uh, scouting videos combining analytics and video. It's just amazing. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It's going to oh. be a – we got the Stanley Cup final. It's going to come to a close soon, and it's going to be a silly season. We're going to have the expansion <laughs> draft. We're going to have the actual draft and then free agency. It's going to be a interesting uh, next few weeks and especially draft. Yes, it's going to be a fun month, I'll tell you. Yeah. I, I'm with you, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man.